Well, hello, everyone. Before we get into this video, I would encourage you to please look at this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other platforms. If you could rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, that would help me immensely. Thank you so much, and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pensive Politics with Mr. Watson. I am your host, Christian Watson. And today I have with me someone who I have been a fan of for a very long time, someone who I admire for his courage and his willingness to be outspoken and his willingness to speak his mind, regardless of what certain people might say, Mr. Scott Bayo. Scott, Mr. Bayo was, uh, I'm not sure if to call you Scott or Mr. Bayo. I, I want to be respectful. So <laughs> I'll just say Scott, Scott, Scott. Scott. Okay, okay. So Scott was is best known for starring in Happy Days and spinoff Joni Loves Chachi and being Charles in Charge, which is a very wholesome sitcom in my opinion. Um, I was first exposed to him. Uh, I was watching AME one night a few years ago and I saw um, Perry Mason, The Case of the Fatal Fashion. And I was just flabbergasted because I've always been a Raven Burr fan. I was flabbergasted by how good Scott's performance was. And so I'm very honored to have him with here with me today. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. That's such a that's such a random uh, credit that you would pull, but yeah, it was uh, <laughs> Raymond Burr was a good guy, nice man, very nice man actually. Yeah, I was gonna uh, be. Yeah, that was gonna be the first question I asked you. How what was it like working with Raymond Burr? I mean, he was Perry Mason. He was the face of Perry Mason. What was that like? It must have been a surreal experience. You know what, Christian? You you go to work. And he's an intimate. He was an intimidating guy because he's a big guy, but he was a gentleman, and he was a professional. He had a very wicked sense of humor, um, and he would goof off a lot. And he was he was a joy to be around. It was fun, you know, easy, just easy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you get it. You get a sense of that from. You know, listening to him in a few interviews and seeing his larger than life personality. So, I mean, yeah, and then look, I mean, I suppose it was random, but I mean, that's just that that performance, your performance there really. I also, know I wanted to be a lawyer at one point in time. And so, you know, Perry Mason, yeah, Perry Mason was like the model for me. So, seeing that movie kind of helped, you know, um, gin up that ambition. But, well, I don't know. You mean the originals? Oh, no, the ones from the 90s. Is that what you're talking about? Right, right, right. The originals. I've also watched the originals. Of some, of the, some of the originals, of course, but I prefer the TV movies. Right. Yeah, then we shot that in uh, Denver, Colorado. And yeah. uh, and I did, and I actually did another series there called Diagnosis Murder with Dick Van Dyke for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it seemed that they were working out of that, that city a lot. But no, it was a great show. It was fun. It was tons of fun. Absolutely. So I, I, I have to ask you this question, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, so I hope it's not redundant. But, you know, President Trump just left office. And of course, Biden just got swept in. And a lot of, I've seen a lot of scary things, right? I've seen a lot of people who are, you know, not necessarily into the idea that America has a very good moral character. They're not necessarily into the idea that this is a good, great country. I've seen them push certain ideas and they're emboldened by Biden's sort of ascension to power. And so they have used this as a means, basically using him as a means to push these bad ideas. How, but of course it manifests in different areas of the country and in different industries. So during the Trump era and now after has Trump has left, how has, what has the sense of Hollywood been in relation to you? Um, how have people acted under Trump and in reaction to Trump uh, as opposed to how they acted under Bush or under uh, you know, Reagan? Because I understand there was antipathy towards Bush and Reagan and there is typically antipathy in Hollywood to, towards many conservative uh, presidents uh, with Kanye West saying that George Bush has slanked black people, that kind of nonsense back in 2004. But has it been different or has it been sort of enhanced under uh, President Trump? Um, everything changed with Trump. Everything. Because before the president, before President Trump, 
and I still call him President Trump because I think um, I think uh, I think it was I think it was stolen from him. But before President Trump, you were Republican, okay. And they were kind of, liberals were kind of, why are you Republican? And it, was, it wasn't this vitriol and this hatred that there is now. I mean, they, um, they, they, I, they, they keep saying they, being media, we need to be deprogrammed now. And we need to be uh, put into camps. And I have, I have thought this way, I have thought the way I think now my whole life. The only person that ever expressed my beliefs was Trump. George W. Bush was, yeah, he was a Republican, but he was a swamp guy and he wasn't, you know, lower taxes, but he wasn't a real conservative. And I am a real conservative and Trump was a real conservative. So to say that I need to be deprogrammed. So I guess you want to take me back 60 years and deprogram everything that I learned in my life from my parents, from my neighborhood, from the people that I knew, my friends. That's pretty much all I knew. And that's how I grew up. And that's the way the country was. And unfortunately, uh, I, I don't know what the hell's happening in college, but it is not good. Um, I think I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is dangerous. Um, I think she causes more violence than anybody because of her rhetoric. Uh, and to say that, and, and, and the way they spin this, Christian, is, is disgusting. They have to put they have to put a barriers around the Capitol now because of the white supremacists and the, which which are Republicans, and conservative people don't do that. We don't riot. We don't litter when we have a when we have a, um, a rally. We, that's not who we are, and they tr and and they're trying to turn us turn the people's minds that that is who we are, and I'm tired of it. So I don't know what we're gonna do. Um, because Joe, Joe, first of all, Joe Biden doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't really know what he's doing. I think somebody's telling him to go, go sign these 20 executive orders and come back and we'll give you some tea. And that's, that's the way it works now. Um, so to get back to your original question, uh, it's just Trump changed the world. And I don't, and I, I tell you the truth, Christian, I don't even know why they hate him. I don't know why. I, I try to think about it, maybe because he exposed everybody. But I don't know, I, I, you would think people would want a um, honest government, but I guess not. Yeah. Um, and I've been trying to think over this and trying to understand, because I think one of the best ways to, under, to, to grasp the world, in my opinion, is to sometimes try to put yourself in the shoes of other people. I think that is probably one of the best ways to develop empathy, to develop understanding, as long as you maintain who you are, of course. When you go, to some, you go so far into someone else's shoes that you forget who you are, there's a problem, in my opinion. But so I try to do that, and I talk to people. I'm like, okay, why exactly do you dislike President Trump? Like, what exactly is the problem here? And, you know, they literally pin every negative adjective in the book, in the English language toward, to, towards him. And whenever you mention anything, anything he may have done that might have been good, they might, they'll say, well, I mean, it all occurred under this idea that he was trying to, you know, hate these kind of people and hate that kind of people. I just, I think that is deflection. When someone, Margaret Thatcher, the brilliant Margaret Thatcher, once said that when someone does not have a political argument left, they'll resort to insults. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Uh, but, you know, I think that is at the crux of it. A lot of people don't have political arguments anymore. All they have are insults and pettiness and anger and rage. And I think that the, uh, the fact that American politics has become so moved and consumed by rage and hatred, kind of polarization, has been the driving force of the vitriol directed towards President Trump. So I just, and, and, I, and 
going off of this, I, I watched a video of yours on YouTube where you explain how a friend of yours was getting you in contact with the ABC people to possibly do a, a show where you would go over old songs and things of that sort. And the, the executive said, I don't want to work with Scott Trump Bayo. And I'm like, I mean, you, you are, you've not made a single argument about his skills. You've not made a single argument about his ability as an actor. You have made an argument about his political, you know, affiliation. And that has nothing to do with the position he'd be occupying. So they quite literally allow politics to consume their life. That's, that's another big thing. When people see their lives as connected to whatever happens in the government, to Capitol Hill, rather than connected to their own values, to their own motifs, to what they learned from their family, what their mother and father practice. When you make politics, you internalize politics, you make politics your life, everything that is different from how you see the world will become in your mind a threat. So I think that's what's been going on here. People are just internalizing politics. They're not letting principles remain principles, and they're not taking things in the context of how they operate in life. They're literally putting, situating their entire life, you know, off of politics. Barack Obama said before he left office that if you didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, I would take that as a personal insult. He said that to a bunch of black voters. Because again, he views politics as, you know, he reduces life to politics. So I think that's really what's going on. It's disturbing. What, what would you say about all of that? Well, Rush Limbaugh has a great, uh, it's, it's a line that I use a lot. Liberals are liberals first, above everything. Above God, if they believe in God, above country, almost above family. So they see everything through an ideological lens. And when you do that, no matter what you say to them, they take it as a political argument. If I say, boy, it's really dark out today, they'll say you're racist. Why? You said dark. That's insulting to black people. You know, so every time you say anything, they attach it to some uh, homophobic, xenophobic, racist, um, title, and that's how they—that's how they live every day, and and because they live it every day, they win. Conservatives don't live it every day; we just live. We just want to live our lives, do the things we want to do. We don't see everything as political, but we're starting to, and I hope it's not too late. Um, but you, you, what you said a few moments ago was right on you. There's no argument anymore. There's no, there's no debate anymore with, with liberals. There's not. You say anything, oh, you're just a racist. Or you're just anti-gay. And, and it has nothing to do with my argument. You just call me a name. And the news, and, and, you know, and if you're... And if you're um, politician, the news picks it up, and Trump's a Nazi. Based on what? what? What are you basing it on? I have an opinion about minimum wage, okay? And because I don't think the minimum wage should be $15 an hour, you think I'm a racist. Well, I don't think being a fry cook is a lifelong career. How about that? That's my argument. But nope, I'm a racist because minorities work in, according to them, and this is where they pigeonhole people. Only minorities work at McDonald's. And that's a little insulting to minorities. Um, and they just they just take everything and twist it. And because the because Republic Republican politicians, you know, Christian, the only people I blame for all this is the Republican Party. That's it. They never fight. They never get out. Like right now, uh, Joe Biden has, written, has has signed how many executive orders? 20? Around 32, 33. Around 32. Okay, I, mi I missed a couple hours. Um, and every time Trump wrote an exec signed an executive order, there were 15 lawsuits, people going to court, picketing outside. This guy does 30 um, 
uh, executive orders. Not one Republican stands up for it. Not one. Right. Now, thankfully, some governors are standing up for the standing up to the um, immigration policies that that uh, sleepy Joe Biden is uh, is signing. But nobody says boo, and I don't get it. They have the country on their side, which tells me that they don't want it. That they're liberal. My brother said to me, so you know, Scott, there's really only one party. And the Republicans are liberals. They really don't. There's a couple of guys there, Jim Jordan, Ted Cruz, a couple of guys that are hardcore conservatives that try to get out there, but that's about it. You know, uh, Matt Gates. Matt Gates is one of the guys. And I don't want to leave anybody out. There's a handful of guys. Who? Rand Paul. Uh, guys like that, but they get squashed. Media won't play them. So the Republican Party, they're, they're a waste of time. They are, they are useless. And I understand that. I mean, when I was, uh, I was younger around 2012, 2011, 2013, I was beginning to become politically conscious. And so I was watching a lot of, uh, watching a lot of Fox that time. And I would always see every night, you know, Sean Hannity, he would be complaining that John Boehner was not really wanting to be a fiscal conservative. And John Boehner was pushing all these stopgap measures and he was going on with the Obama tax and spend policies. And yet he had the nerve to turn around and say he's conservative. Paul Ryan, I mean, Paul Ryan himself, you know, I, don't, I think Paul Ryan was the kind of same, same kind of creature, Mitt Romney, the same kind of creature. So I think that, yes, there, I mean, Trump quite literally arose from the disaffection of so many people with the system, right? This, that's why there were even a lot of people on the left who voted for Trump back in 2016 because they were just so dissatisfied with you know the sort of uh, facades that politicians erect um, to get political power, and then they turn their back on people right afterwards, right? So politics has been motivated more by expediency and less by principle. I think that President Trump, for many people, represented a kind of politics motivated by principle and not giving a damn about expediency, because the kind of stuff he was saying, the kind of stuff he was doing, it, and the way he was doing it was taking a claw hammer to the system, and it wasn't at all. I mean, for a regular candidate, wouldn't have been at all politically expedient, would have been politically disastrous. So I think that's really, you have the tension between expediency and being principled and being convicted. And that's why people like, you know, Rand Paul get criticized and Mike Lee, one of my favorites, Mike Lee's one of my favorites, uh, you know, they all get slammed and criticized um, because they're not, no matter what, what kind of president it is, no matter what party is in power, they're going to be um, beholden to principles above all. And that is really what our politics is lacking, in my opinion, right? I, I, think, um, I think that political parties themselves are kind of the problem uh, here because Political parties incentivize this kind of behavior. I think political parties incentivize being loyal to, if you're a politician, to whatever the House majority whip or the House or the Senate majority leader or the minority leader says. They incentivize you listening to lobbyists over listening to the principles of the Constitution. They kind of incentivize this kind of stuff, which is why I'm sympathetic to a lot of third party sentiments. Although I think third parties themselves oftentimes fall into incompetence and they um, collapse on each other. There's a lot of infighting. Um, so, for example, I'm I'm a conservatarian. I I'm a conservative, but I also have libertarian values as well. So I think you know uh, that many libertarians are making the point: Hey, this system here is just not enabled for following convictions and principles. So, would you think that a third party or that any other thing could come and arise up and possibly usurp this period of madness that we're going through? This period of you know graft and corruption over adherence to the truth. No, I think a third party kills any chance that we have of ever winning anything again, because it'll just split, because the 80 million people that voted for Trump, some of them just voted because they're Republicans. You know, not, not, every, not every Republican is a, is a real conservative. So I think it would hurt. I, I think we need to um, purge the Republican Party of all the rhinos, I need they all need to be primary. All the guys that are just lit, like Liz Cheney, and was in in Wyoming, she needs to be primaried out. Mitt Romney needs to be gotten rid of. 
Utah right now. Uh, we're just we're just we're in Utah right now, actually. And I can't and I can't for Romney. And he turned out to be a no, he's not he's not even a rhino, he's a liberal. Um but I think we need to get rid of these people that have been there twenty years, thirty years, forty years. Get rid of those people because all they 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 they're just part of the game. They don't care. They don't they don't give a damn about us. They don't. They're all getting greased. They're all taken care of. They all have the cushy gymnasiums that they work out in. They have nice offices. And their families are taken care of, probably from China, by China. So a third party, we just gotta get rid of the, we just gotta get rid of these people and have people that will actually speak where Christian, where where is where's George W. Bush? <laughs> where's Jeb where's, where's where's Bush on all the censoring going on in, in his country right now? Right now? Where, where are those guys? Silent. Not haven't heard a peep out of them. Nothing. What is that? You think George Bush will come out and say, hey guys, this is too much. Stop. You can't say nothing. Abs Jeb Bush. Nothing. Uh, any Paul Ryan. Nothing. Which means tells me this is what they Paul Ryan's a punk, by the way. This what tells me this is what they want. They don't want conservatives. You have you have a Republican um, 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 you know, advisors. Well, the Republican Party's gone too far to the too far was too far. What is the what does the Democrat Party become? We as far I have not changed my beliefs in 40 years. And I'm a radical. I admire I'm, this. I'm, and you, you brought up that lady that that, that, that Dawn Soleil from ABC. She wouldn't hire me because I'm a Trump guy. I am the same exact guy that I was then as I am now. So the Republicans, they, you know, I, and I'm talking to you, Christian, I'm making faces because I'm so frustrated. I'm so, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so disheartened by them. And so third party is the loser, in my opinion. Right. I, I, and I understand that sentiment. And personally, I support people of all different ideological um, persuasions working together, on the right at least, working together with the Republican Party, because that's I think that's where you build up a bench. That's where you build up power. But yeah, I agree with you. There just has to be a litmus test, because unfortunately, there are too many people, again, who are motivated by anything but principles that are motivated, or if they have principles, they have principles that don't necessarily align with their proper function of their office. I think Mitt Romney is a good example of this. I mean, Mitt Romney, he, I mean, we knew this from 2012 going backwards. This guy has been on every side of every issue. One moment he's pro-choice, um, next moment he's pro-life, a moment he's for some sort of gun control, next moment he's against gun control. I mean, he is kind of the worst kind of opportunist in honesty, and it's scary that the people of Utah, with mass assent, re-elected him into, elected him into the senatorial office. I mean, he literally... He had houses in Massachusetts and in Utah. He literally just went across the country, came to Utah, and decided, okay, I'm going to be senator now. I th that's just disturbing to me. So I, I do think there's a, a certain liability upon all of us for putting these kind of people back into office. We have to be careful with what we do because, you know, voting elections have severe consequences. And I think that the, the day Biden got into office and he began signing all this crazy stuff, he began trying to legislate by executive fiat as opposed to go through the proper enumerated uh, course that the founders envisioned that the Constitution uh, is very clear about. I mean, and Chuck, Chuck Schumer is saying, yeah, keep going, man. I, you, it's just, there are just mentalities, uh, Scott, that are scary to me. And I, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. I just don't know what the answer is, but I have hope. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Um, but I do know one thing. I do know that uh, politics and culture, po okay, so politics is reflective of culture. I know that much, um, I think broadly speaking. Um, 
And so, you know, back when you were doing happy days and you were doing Charles in charge, do you think if you measure the culture back then, at least the culture as related to entertainment and TV back then, do you think there was a little a, sem a semblance of sanity, a semblance of, you know, um, people understanding the values that are necessary to live in a free society, to live in America, the, the values of honesty and respect? Because when I turn on TV today, I see, I mean, a few years ago, there was a show called uh, My Baby Mama. It's like all this kind of stuff. It shows like blackish, all this crazy, uh, decadent stuff. I, I, I weigh that against Charles in Charge, which was, in my opinion, very wholesome. I watched, I went back and watched a few episodes, very wholesome, you know. What, what has happened in the culture? I think the culture well, has been shifted for the wrong. For the, uh, for, the wrong. The culture, for the past 30 or 40 years, the culture has been deteriorating. Because you take God out of school, you take religion out of people, you put government in the middle of families, government becomes God, God goes away. So you've got no consequences for anything. And this has been happening, This is these are all liberal ideals. Oh, you can't punish. Oh, they didn't mean it. Oh, I, I feel so bad. And, and they don't do anything about it. So, so everybody gets a trophy. Nobody can be valedictorian anymore. So you've got a constant erosion of what made America great. Individualism, fear of God, hard work, not relying on anybody. And liberals want you to rely on government. And that's, and that, and they've been, they've, Christian, they are so good at, Christians play long ball. Republicans don't know how to do it. They play long ball. And they just kept chipping away, and chipping away, and chipping away, take God out of school. They get, you know, no, it's, it's, it goes against the Constitution. Can't have God in school. All right? Now you start flooding the country with people who don't speak the language, with people who um, don't know our values. And what do you get? You get this. You get no consequences. You get no care for people. People are afraid of government and people are afraid. You, you know, I live in LA. I know you live in Georgia. Yes, sir. And LA is I feel bad. I feel bad for you. <laughs> no, I, listen, I, I got to tell you, Southern California was one of maybe the most beautiful places in the country. And, I, and I'm from New York and I've been all over the country. It is, was, it was parent. Oh, no. It isn't? No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it was a paradise. And I mean it. When I got there in the mid 70s, and now, now my, my wife going to the bank in a very nice area, a guy exposed himself to her. There's, home, there's homeless people sleeping outside of people's businesses. You have to step over them to get in. People defecating in the middle of the sidewalk in broad daylight, shooting up heroin in the broad daylight. You can see it. And this is just, and California is supposed to be the model. It, 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 and I hope we recall this governor, Governor Newsom, recall Gavin2020.com if you want to help. Absolutely. And the, because people in that state, the citizens of that state, either don't know what's happening and or don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what the end, you know, at a certain point, when your safety is involved, you think you change your vote. It's, it's, it's the same thing when when people go, you know what, I can't take it here anymore, anymore. I'm moving to Texas. And you go to Texas and you vote for the same people that turn the state you just left into 
to, to the state that you're in, to the state you just left. You, either, either you're stupid or you're a liberal first. And maybe a little of both. So, you know, years ago when I was working, it was a different time. People took responsibility. And that's the other thing. There is zero accountability and zero responsibility. Zero. And the reason there is, is because every politician, except for Republicans, they get away with it. James Comey got away with it. Brennan got away with it. Clinton got away with it. Uh, I could go down a list of everybody that got away with committing crimes. So like, what do I care? I'll commit a crime. Nothing will happen to me. You know, it's like you've got uh, riots in, in uh, Seattle and Portland, burning down buildings. No, nothing, is, nothing to see here. It's okay. A couple of people who are probably Antifa going to the, the Capitol. And we got to get the surveillance cameras and the masks and find out who they are and face matching. And we're going to arrest them all. And, and it was all pre-planned, but the riots are fine. Those are totally fine. Be illegitimate, burning billions of dollars of property and destroying people's lives. That's okay. So, so what, so what's the consequences? There aren't any. None. And this is what liberalism, everything liberalism touches and destroys. Do you think, because I remember once upon a time, the word liberal was associated with people. So like, for example, Thomas Jefferson has in historical parlance been called a liberal before because Thomas Jefferson embraced the ideas of freedom and individualism. I think after FDR came in and after you know the government became God, as you mentioned, and social welfare began flooding the system, social security was established, the word liberal kind of was tainted by progressives. Right. And so I typically I typically say, you know, progressivism is the issue because liberalism in its initial form looks very much like many conservatives and many libertarians want. We want a government that is going to be small, that is going to respect our reliance on our family, respect our values, not get in the way. So I just, you know, it's just amazing how certain movements can completely flip a word and make it mean something completely different. Um, well, I which is why, you know, yeah. yep, sorry, go on. No, uh, uh, the left is very good at word games. The Affordable Care Act, it's not affordable. Can't say illegal alien. Can't say illegal alien. If they call them undocumented, whatever. And this is, and this is how they do it. So they, they, they water down everything. They water it all down to where it has no meaning. Liberalism, progressive, progressive sounds like, yeah, man, I'd like to progress. Sure, everybody wants to progress. I want to progress down the road. I want to progress in my life. I want my life to be better and I want, you know, to achieve things, but that's not what it means to them. It means punishing and stifling. So that this is this is the game that that we're in. And and again the Republicans go right along with it. It's okay. Anyway. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it has to be. I mean, you're, you're going to have to have a change in people, a change in people who legitimately understand, you know, the need for principles, legitimately understand the need for concepts and values that go beyond themselves and go beyond, you know, their, uh, their immediate surroundings. I think uh, one of the biggest things about Christianity or God, whoever, whatever anyone calls, it, I'm a Christian personally. I don't, I respect whatever anyone else believes, but I'm a, for me, it's Jesus Christ. That's, that's just me. That's just who I, that's who I roll with. So, I mean, um, it's just amazing because religion, I think kind of causes, Christianity at least causes us to place, look beyond ourselves and look beyond, you know, our interest immediately and look to something higher. I think the problem is a lot of politicians don't want to look to something higher. They the only thing that they see higher is is money or whatever in the world is influencing, yeah, yeah influencing their decisions. So that's that's a big problem, in my in my opinion. Um, so you know, 
I, I get a sense that we've had similar experience in what I'm about to talk about, because there have been times where, you know, I came out as a libertarian conservative and people began, people who were my friends began realizing, oh, Christian, he's not really into this Black Lives Matter stuff. He's not really into this racial equity, air quotes, racial equity stuff. He's not really into this. He doesn't buy the systemic racism narrative. He doesn't necessarily buy all this stuff. He likes Thomas Saul. He listens to people like that. He likes Larry Elder. Yeah, like he's like, well, what's, what's going on with this guy? I have had folks go from zero to 100. I have had folks who I could be laughing with and enjoying life with one day to find out what I believe. And it's like, oh no, oh, we can't talk to you anymore. And to keep me at an arm's length. I imagine you working in Hollywood. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how different Hollywood was in the 70s to how it is now. I'm, I'm sure it's very different. I just don't know. Um, but I'm sure you working in Hollywood, you've had similar experiences. Um, so if you've had had similar experiences to that, how have you dealt with them? And have they had any impact on how you view yourself in relation to others? Or how or have they just been you know, acceptable losses because you continue to still be yourself and you believe what you believe. I lost a couple of friends. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why nothing was ever said. So I, I would put it to that. Maybe some other stuff. Um, but the last film I did, uh, which will be out in February 9th, February 9th if I throw in a quick plug, plug Christian called Cordy Mom and Dad on uh, on DVD and Pure Flix. Anyway, um, that was a faith-based movie, so it was a fairly friendly set. And I think that's why I don't hang out with show business people really. I think one of my friends is a one is show business. He's a writer, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, so. I don't really see the day-to-day -day of what goes on. I, I talk to my friends. Some other, some of my friends are crew guys, and they say no. Nobody says a word. Nobody says anything. And I said, well, I guess that's a good thing. They can talk to you. No, no, they no, nobody talks. You're not allowed to say anything anymore. But anything, you can't look at anybody. You can't say anything to anybody, and you can't talk about anybody. So it's just sad. It's just really sad. I don't agree with you. I, I, I got people, you know, so I'm, I'm a big conservative and I'm supposed to be anti-gay. I've got a ton of gay friends, right? And that's the old thing. No, no, I know black people. No, I know gay people. No, I know Chinese people. Yeah, but I do. I'm, I mean, I've been in show business for 50 years. And you don't think I've worked with some gay people? So, um, it's 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 just so it's just so absurd. It's it's just so it's so absurd the way the way they 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 look at things. You know, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. My wife just reminded me. I'll give give you a perfect example of how it works. I did a show for three years called. Uh, See Dad Run. It was on Nick at Night. That was that was one of my favorite shows. Like when I watched Nickelodeon, well, that was one of my favorite shows. Well, thank you. It was, it was a family. It's a family show. Right? It's a good family, wholesome family show. Now, and people come to me and say, "Thank you for doing that kind of show." Anyway, here's 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 the way the minds work. So we had a, an episode where there was a uh, a fairy godmother comes for a birthday party and they hired a woman who was black as a fairy godmother. It's fine. She couldn't act her way on or off the stage. Right? I, and I, and I, don't, I don't say that lightly. So I went to the people, the highest higher ups, and I said, look, can, can we do something here because it's supposed to be a big joke. It's laying flat. My face is out there, not yours. Can you can we replace this person? No. Why not? Well, we have to have a diverse person now. Why? Well, because because we have to have a diverse person. I said, okay. 
just want to get this straight. In this show, my best friend is black. My wife was Puerto Rican. My best friend's wife was black. My assistant was an Egyptian Muslim. And is is that not diverse enough for you to hire somebody? And I don't care if they're black, purple, orange, or yellow. But as, as long as they're good. But they, they jam me always on 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 um, on diversity. And I said, is the cast not diverse enough for you? And they said, well, they don't look it. And I said, what? I said, so so what would you what would you have me do? Would you have would you have would you have uh, Mark Curry, whom I love, come in dressed as somebody in the bush, and my friend Rami, uh, 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 my assistant, have a turban on his head, and and my and my wife dressed as some Puerto Rican garb that's that's historically known for them. To, said, what are you talking about? They said that's racist. That's insulting. He's black. He's Egyptian Muslim. She's Puerto Rican. They don't look it. They are it. They are that. And I love them and I love working with them. And they're great, talented people. That's how they see it. They don't look it. So you have to look a certain way. And I was so, so offended for, for my castmates that this was said about them that I didn't know I didn't I, I, I didn't know what to do. So that's what that's what you deal with. And it's true. And that's a true story. You know, and 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 I, and I and I wear a cross. I've worn this this cross for God, fifty years almost. They kept every 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 time every time I was about to go on camera, the wardrobe lady would come over and button my shirt. I finally said, "What are you doing?" She said, "Well, they don't want to see the cross." I said, "You can tell them to go and f themselves." This is who I am. This is the character that I'm playing. I can't say God. So I kept jamming God in there. Oh my God, oh God, oh God. And they kept getting mad at me. I said, well, sorry. I'm, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna change me and you're not gonna try to squelch every single thing that you see fit. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's, that's what's happening right now, Christian. That is exactly what's happening. You can say anything you want, anti-Christian, you say anything you want, anti-Jew, but if you say pro-Christian, pro-Jew, no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, I, I go off on rants here. No, look, uh, Scott, I'm, I'm just, I'm very happy that I'm able to talk to you. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, so I'm, I'm more than willing to hear your stories. They are fascinating to me. Um, absolutely. Um, so I, ha I have a few more questions. I know we get a, we're up, running up on time very soon here, but I just like a few more questions I want to get in. So uh, I've always wanted to know this, and this is like a sort of side thing. How much control does an actor us like a like who's in a starring role like you were have over their script like i had the idea that you just get a script and you read off of it and you memorize the lines and boom can you like insert things like oh my god and do things like that like with uh like can you improvise sometimes sure yeah the star of a show has a certain amount of power and if you're the executive producer star of a show you've got more power and if you've created the show an executive producer show and the star you've got tremendous power but you, oh, you can, on a, on a, on a sitcom, on a sitcom, you can, you can improvise all day long. Uh, and, but it has to, you know, the writers have to accept it, the producers have to accept it. If it's funny, it's funny, they leave it in most of the time. But yeah, you have a lot of freedom to uh, try things, uh, to, make stuff funnier. Uh, yeah, you got all kinds of free, and, and, and every actor does, no matter what their, what their title is, if they're just a hired, a hired actor, you get a script and you just, and you just, uh, you roll with it, you get to rehearse it, you get to play around with it, and sometimes you find funny stuff, and sometimes you don't. It's, it's sitcom is a different animal than most TV shows. 
fascinating. Okay, I always wondered that. And now you mentioned the issue of diversity, and this is something that I, I mean, I've come up against the same issue again. It's not, and really, the reason it's an issue is because of how they like to phrase and then push this idea of diversity. Um, and so, in academia, where I am right now, I'm in college right now. Um, you know, I, I'm currently pushing back against the notion uh, that my uh, literature curriculum should be be expanded to include more black voices, women voices, et cetera, et cetera. Not because I don't want black folks or women or gay folks to be included in the curriculum. I, I want their ideas to be good and their ideas to be sound. But the problem is with this sort of social justice mentality, which inverts the proper understanding of things and operates within a sort of subjective sense of how things are, rather than the truth of how things are, they can say, well, hold on, this is a black person. They must have a lived experience of a black person. Therefore, their voice is valuable just on the basis of that. And when you call them out for that, they'll try to backtrack and say, okay, hold on, no, no, no. no here are their ideas. But I go back to, okay, so their ideas are good. Why does it matter if they are a black voice, a women voice, a gay voice? Why? I mean, there are some, there are plenty of black folks who have brilliant ideas. I think uh, I, I suggested that, hey, let's put Thomas Saul in the curriculum. He has some good books that can be studied in the literature class. Uh, let's put Larry Elder in the curriculum. Let's put Clarence Thomas in the curriculum. Let's put these, but no, no, well, why not? I mean, I think that they've been culturally influential. Um, you know, and there are some black voices that are just crazy. There is this one lady who wrote a book called the ISIS papers, which is about how he thinks that, you know, the world is a system of white supremacy and how homosexuality was manufactured to depopulate African-Americans, all this crazy wacko stuff, but I wouldn't let her in the curriculum, but she's a black voice though. So my problem is they just reduce someone's credentials to something they could not choose their skin color, their, or their set, the or their origin, their sexual orientation, their gender or whatever. So I, I've come up against the same animal and it makes no sense to me. It's, it's, it is racist, it is insulting, it is offensive. And I think that uh, this is the mentality that we're being pushed into though. It's like a sort of kind of reverse racism sort of. And so I just, when President Trump tried to stop this, right? So he signed a executive order to get rid of the critical race theory training in federal programs and federally funded programs. Um, Biden just, just reversed that unfortunately. Biden just decided, okay, no, we need this kind of training. Um, President Trump kind of took on this mentality in the federal government and then federally funded programs. Um, he said, okay, no more critical race theory business, no, no, nothing like that. Let's make sure that we're not teaching things that someone to the idea of America. Biden just reversed those executive orders. He said, no, 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 let's let's teach this diversity stuff. Let's, let's teach this nonsense stuff. So I just, it's coming from the top down. It's coming from the top down. And it is really disturbing. And seeing it bleed into corporate America, seeing it bleed into academia where I'm at right now, seeing it you know, manifest in Hollywood, it's just, I don't know what, again, I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that it's a bad thing. If the government, if the government, if the government would just leave us alone, it would be heaven because I would hire the best person for the job. If you're a unicorn with purple wings and you're better than Christian Watson, well, then you're going to get the job. If Christian Watson is better than Thomas Sowell, then Christian Watson is going to oh, get the job. I couldn't dream of it. And that's the, well, but you know what I'm saying. Of course. Yeah. Whoever the best person is for the job, and it'll all work. It all shakes itself out. It just, it, it, it's just, it's, it's just so frustrating that we're not racist. I'm, I, I come from a Brooklyn, I come from an Italian Brooklyn, from an Italian family in Brooklyn, where my neighbor was 99% Italian, 1% Irish. We didn't see black people. I saw a Jewish guy when I was 13 years old, the first time I ever saw a Jewish person. I didn't know what that was. They had the, I don't know what these hair, the, uh, uh, for my friend is, is, is uh, Orthodox. I forget what it's called. Yeah, yeah. I thought, what is, who's this person? Was it from Mars or something? I grew up in that. So if anybody's going to be a racist, it would be me, and I'm not. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your lifestyle is. I don't care what you do for recreation. I don't, I honestly don't care. As long as you're a good person and you obey the law, that's it. And leave your views to yourself and I'll leave my views to myself. And go live your life. That's it. That's all I want. Can't have it anymore. Can't have it. 
because right. obviously my political views are important to me being fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife says that, and I we've been saying this for a long time. The difference between a conservative and a liberal is a liberal wants you to live their life. Conservative wants you to live your life. And I don't want to live anybody's life but mine. Some days I don't want my life, but some days, some days, you know, but I want to live my life. I won't be left alone. So, Christian, I think we're getting close to where we have to be. If you got a, you got a couple of more questions and, and we can wrap it up. Right. Just I got so one more question, sir, and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. No, man, it's fun. So um, I'm curious, you know, as we talk about all this and the diversity thing, I think diversity of thought is important. That's that's really important. I think diversity of thought that comes from certain from uh, diverse skill sets and everything. That's a diversity that I do pride. So I have a question for you. Um, I personally see a lot of overlap between libertarianism and conservatism. I think both of them do have an understanding that America is foundationally, it is a good country, it has a good moral character, that liberty is important. Of course, there's some differences on how we handle certain things. My question is, what is your opinion of libertarianism? Because I, I get mixed answers sometimes when I talk to um, people. Can I tell you the truth, Christian? I, I get confused by libertarian. I, I, I don't know really know what the difference is. But I don't know. What, what, tell me what a libertarian is. A libertarian is basically someone who believes that individual freedom should be the primary basis of any government decision, and they believe that the individual themselves is a uh, is should be the primary consideration of any political decision. So that means that the individual should be considered, you know, their rights should be considered if you're doing anything as it relates to government. That's basically what a libertarian is. Okay. So you don't see much. Difference. I'm for that. I'm for that. No, I, I agree 100. I'm an individual. I want to be treated as one, and I want to survive as one. If I need help, I'll get help. Not from the government. Find somebody else. Government is there to protect me. Other than that, leave me alone. Give me a flat tax and leave me alone. Brilliant. Absolutely. I agree. The government doesn't owe me anything. I owe everything to my country. They don't owe me anything, and I don't want anything from them. Everything that I have, I work for because of the way the system was set up and people want to tear it down. And when the system gets torn down, they, everybody's going to go, what happened? Well, why can't I work? Why can't, why, why can't I go to the store anymore? Why is there no meat? What, what's happening? This, this is what you people want. So I'm for free people, freedom. Leave me alone. Absolutely. Well, I, I couldn't think of a better note to end the show on. So, Mr. Uh, I mean, Scott, sorry. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it immensely. I hope you'll come back sometime in the future. I mean, thank you. Just I'm, I appreciate your grace and I appreciate your kindness. Christian, anytime you need me back on, I'm on. Thank you so much, sir. And for all, all right, of you, all right, please stay attentive, everyone. Bye-bye.